Yeah, it's interesting too because we live in a niche where it seems like the people who make it and the people who don't, it's almost like random. But there's always a lot of work put into it. So I look at like Ricky Umberger with the fear footage and I'm like, he found a way. But that dude fucking, he hustles on Instagram. And, you know, he's making his own Blu-rays. But then, I, I, you know, I look at your work and I, I see the same thing. But I'm like, how has there not been traction? I have to tell you, Real 2 is, I think, a um, important movie when it comes to in-world camera cinema. And I think you're one of the best editors out there, too. And you really capture the like very overly polished, inauthentic attempt at being authentic that is like social media. And I just, man, I I really want people to see your movies. Oh, it's appreciate. I do got to say, you know, I'm definitely, you know, slasher victim. I do have to give him credit for making the movies though that's sort of his vibe i'm just sort of with him you know what i mean um how's which that is long, which, which is a long story yeah God. i mean if you guys have talked to him he's super you know oh dude he's one of our favorite he made yeah. a um short for us during oh god i think it was the last digital that was one of our favorite i we actually we kind of broke our own rule and showed it in a theater too because we were so happy with it so let oh, him let him know we haven't talked to him in a while, so. No, he'll be happy about about that. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, we are, you could almost say, like, Todd and Slasher. It's almost like me and Slasher. We have a lot of similarity. There's, like, a drawst effect going through the whole thing. Um, that's kind of how we connect so much. So I can speak on behalf of him quite a bit. And, yeah, I mean, like, we have the same interests as far as, like, just where we're sort of at with social media and sort of, uh, you know, just the world right now. But um, to go back to your original question with marketing and everything like that, yeah, you have to, I mean, real, I know before I sort of came aboard and it sat there for about a year and a half before anyone even saw it. Right. Like mm. not talking like yeah. it's never exploded, exploded, but I mean, no one saw it. Right. So I sort of helped Slasher with that. And then, you know, Slasher started speaking a lot more. So that sort of, you know, helped push the ball there. But it's like, you sort of have to grind person to person to person. I mean, I started years and years and years and years ago. Um, we had a web series on YouTube. Like, we're going early 07. Uh, and you'd put a video up, and it was a series. and instantly uh you know thousands of views thousands of comments you know we had people from america come travel all the way to meet the host i mean it was like we didn't have to put in any effort at all and it just sort of like worked now everything is just uh because i mean the big advantage we had in 07 was you know we had a fucking video camera (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? And now <laughs> everyone's got a video camera. Everyone's got basic, you know, editing software. So yeah. you're having to go through so much stuff just to get your movie seen. Um, and it's not just even like, you know, low, no budget cinema. I mean, TV ratings are super down. There's just so much oh, content yeah. that it's, it's a challenge. So if you're out there trying to make it happen, um, 
I mean, you don't really have another choice. You kind of have to do that unless you are like, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan or a Tarantino or, you know, Scorsese or something like someone where, you know, they've got a built in audience. Um, I don't even think like quote unquote auteur cinema carries the same weight as it once did. I mean, like, you know, you're probably not running to see uh, a Richard Linklater movie the same way you were in 98 or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's different. You know, I think it, it it's always some sort of generational changing of the guard one way or another. And uh, I'm, I don't, I don't know what we're, we're in an interesting era with all of that because, you know, we, we still got the Scorsese's uh, hanging on there. Uh, Russell and I talked um, at, at, at uh, a good little clip yesterday about flowers of the killer moon. And I was okay. defending my interest and Russell was defending his disinterest. Yeah. I've been a little bit extra mean and in DMS, <laughs> I've been referring to it as the blossoming butthole. <laughs> And people are like, "What? It, it's not even an attempt. It's like, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, what but I've kind of got a reputation. In the like early stages. So, life. no, you know, I've kind of dug a hole for myself in like, oh my, I don't even know where to begin this. I love to champion <laughs> indie movies. Okay. And I, I've created this dialogue about like genre film versus like traditionally good film. And m what I'm trying to argue or articulate is that if you learn in school about film, you learn like the fundamentals about what makes a good movie and a good story. But what I'm looking for when I'm watching Final Destination 5 is the way they're navigating the tropes of a genre. Yes. So, you know, maybe the lighting's not good. Maybe the acting's a little bit off, but that might be my favorite movie for the next 10 years, just based on ideas, performances, or like, you know, the way they navigated the tropes of a genre, which I, you know, when I come to Scorsese, I, I know he's going to be more of an academic, like mm -hmm. five for people, but there's another thing, uh, you know, I've been doing this podcast for fucking seven. eight, eight, seven, seven, seven years now. And when I come to the table, I feel like I have a lot more to say about near. And I feel like people may not even know what that movie is. But yeah. if I'm going to show up here every day and talk about fucking blossoming butthole, I swear there are hundreds of people who are way smarter than me who will have reviewed it better and quicker than me. So I'm just like, I don't know. I, I feel like I, there's no point in me wading into that water. So what happens is it turns into fangs and venom and I start making fun of it. Yeah. Well, no, I, you know, well, from on the other end of the table, I mean, that's a super appreciated because like, I mean, even this let's, you know, narrow it down to the horror genre. It's like, you know, you scroll like you hashtag horror on Instagram. It's like how much Freddie and Jason and Chucky do we need to be mm -hmm. staring at, you know, before like there's so much good horror content, right? Like old, yeah. you know, ancient and brand new. Like uh, I just, I'm a fan of all those movies, but you get sick of where the push is coming from when you're like, okay, like, let's let's kind of give this a shot and as far as your genre thing i mean that i i couldn't have said it better and um that's often what i'm talking to my girlfriend about is like with genre cinema specifically there's two things which is almost exactly what you said there's the genre and how you play in it but then it's how you subvert the genre and it's those yeah. two things working with each other that to me makes a good movie a good genre movie if you 
make a good genre movie, but you don't subvert it much, it's probably just some generic Friday night sleepover type stuff, right? And oh, if dude, you subvert it too much, it's boring. Yeah, yeah we've seen it. We know. Yeah. Yep, but it will also <laughs> sell. It will sell. Yes, 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 yes for sure. Um, and, and that's a battle too, especially with sure. horror is um, – there's hardcore horror fans who are looking for always, I mean, hardcore horror fans want to watch everything, right? Like yeah. everything. But then there's also another group that just kind of want a good, you know, we went to the theater and saw the boogeyman. Right. And you could tell the, mm-hmm. aud- it was a matinee. You could tell the audience in it. were just were young people just wanting to have a good time laughing at the movie, blah, blah, blah. You know, they might watch a horror movie a month. It's more of a collective group thing to do let's be scared let's kind of half make fun of the movie those aren't the same people who are you know hoping they make august underground four or something like that do you know what i mean they're so (laughs) you know so it's it's a weird genre Yeah, you don't want to put them in the same room there could be crimes committed (laughs) exactly 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 well i think i i also think that there may be an an evolution or de-evolution process to that as well exactly you know depending on you you know your perspective if you bring your date to boogeyman and it goes bad you may end up watching august underground yeah yeah Yeah. i mean you know because like you know when i was a teenager like at 15 as soon as you know i could drive Every weekend we'd go to, you know, whatever horror movie was playing, you know, yeah. uh, at the nearest theater. And so, you know, and that continued for years. <laughs> and so I, I think, you know, you keep doing that and you see, um, oh, what was uh, not the. Uh, Cobweb? No, uh, it would have been like 2003. Oh. It had the uh, the guy who was the son in Seventh Heaven. And oh. he was in that horror movie. It was horrible. And I can't get Boogeyman out of my head, but it was the Boogeyman. It could have been. I'll look it up. Yeah, Yeah, like stuff like that. And so then, you know, then you start to watch more and more horror movies. And then then you you eventually, you find, um, you know, a guinea pig and, and, you know, August Underground (laughs) and things like that. So, I, you know, I I think that, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, part of the process. But... Yeah, as a whole, you know, it's it's definitely a, a step up between those two things. No question. Yeah, and it's and it's where the money. You know, like Severn Films can take a movie from the '80s that's been totally forgotten mm-hmm. and do a dope DVD, and they get a whole new cult of fans, and that's amazing. You know, I love you know when that stuff happens. That's the other thing with horror; it doesn't you know have a time limit. People don't go watch a 1930s comedy the same way they do with Frankenstein or Dracula or something. But with Severin, yeah. so you get that DVD, it's, you know, gets a whole new crop of people watching, but it still doesn't do the numbers of like the nun two or something, right? Like it still plays in this sort of like cult. It's not, you know, Guinea pig cult, but it's, it's a smaller sandbox. Um, but I think the horror horror people, uh, they want to watch it all. They want to watch the nun two. They want to watch, you know, the the Saturn films, and they also want to watch the like shot on video Charles Pinion movies. Like they want to see everything, you know. And me, I grew up as a horror fan, and yeah, we love going to theater, you know, seeing like you know Jeepers Creepers or something like that. Yep. But then we, you know, it was also cool to find some at that time like rare European flick we haven't seen, right? Like oh, like who's Sergio Martino? Who who are these people? So there was like 
And again, it was just about digesting. Um, it's tough though to say that there's ever like, cause people go, you know, horrors, the genre with the most money. And statistically that's true. But in that world, it's, you're more looking for a cult than you are, um, you know, game changing, unless it's, you know, a fluke, like paranormal or Blair Witch or something like that. That's, you know, ultra no budget and manages to transcend mainly due to the marketing and not the movie. Right. So it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, and for, for people who are like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? It's kind of the comparison of it lives inside, which is a new movie that came out. I think even Randy was a little bit excited to go see it and you watch it and you're like, they did absolutely nothing different here. Right. Like we, we switched up the culture, but it ultimately was like, it's a good movie, but man, I, I just have no interest in watching it again. And then you get a movie like Terrifier 2, which they're not attempting to reinvent the wheel. And yet yeah. it crushed and it's coming back to theaters again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the like, like, that's why I kept telling people Terrifier 2. Yeah, I know it's over two hours long, but that's a juggernaut of a genre film, especially oh, I, I a slasher love movie. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a throwback. And it and the some of the gore scenes, like especially that bad one and everything like that, like that was yeah. you thought it was going to be the one gore effect. And then there's like seven after and you're just like, you know, especially I kept thinking of me as a kid, you know, oh my God, like that was a great, great <laughs> movie, you know? And I wasn't, I liked the first Terrifier. I wasn't over the moon with it. So I kind of went in yeah. with reserved, you know, sort of expectations with two, but two I thought was, yeah, so excited for three and seeing what this, what this guy can do. It's, uh, yeah, Are you a little really worried? Cool. I find myself a little bit worried about three. Like I know we have um, friends who are involved with it this time okay, and I know yeah. there's going to be a bigger budget. And I know Damien Leon, uh, he seems to be completely authentic mm-hmm. yet. I'm like, is money going to crush the machine? And I, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's a type of horror film where I think if done right, it could lend itself to terrifier 10 right like it could <laughs> keep You're going right. you know what yeah. i mean but um because it's not too like you know obviously this is the big weekend with the exorcist does the exorcist lean itself to whatever we're on now three four maybe seven or eight like probably not you know three mm-hmm. happen to be good and but it's not really that type of film texas chainsaw did two is good right but did it lean itself to so many eh. It's hard to say because there was something in that original. With Terrifier, I don't know. I just think if you keep – as long as you don't change Art the Clown because that's a big hook of it and, you know, the actor playing yeah. him, um, it, it could Who Clark's work. related I hear, to. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is we, – we had him on the show and we found out they're related uh, back when the country was being founded or something. Or really? we have an ancestor who signed the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, I don't oh know what's God. happening. Matthew, Matthew <laughs> Thornton. The family of the Terrifier guy signed the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. That's right. Well, and Clark oh Little. Don't forget him. He's Thank just as important. <laughs> uh, real quick, to, to, to circle back on that, uh, it was Boogeyman 2005. Okay. You remember okay, that hunk yeah. of shit? I looked yeah, it up. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, was like, I was like, I thought it was the Boogeyman. Yeah, it was Boogeyman, not the Boogeyman. You know, and the yep, Chris, you're an interesting dude because uh, clearly you've thought about like schlocky film a lot, yet you employ a lot of like the the techniques of the masters. And 
I, you know, when when you watch, well, he's a, a fan of movies. Yeah, I, unlike clearly. you. Well, and genre. you just like unlike you. You just like going through. <laughs> that is not true. Again, that, if we go through the annals of this yeah. show in seven years, way more proof of me liking genre than you liking good stuff. You just live oh, in the yeah. trash. There we go. You live in the trash. <laughs> no, I um. The thing is, we we market the show as a horror podcast, and most of the time, yep. I'm the only one bringing that to the tape. Because <laughs> so. we know you're going to do the heavy lifting, so we can do whatever we want to, baby. Exactly. Well, the horror director, so, it's appreciated. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm here for you, Chris. And near, I I want to point out something. Like I'm gonna, now, we're going to pivot hard into in world camera talk. And I had this theory that I was pushing on the show for a while, and then I kind of backed off, and I called it the editor auteur theory. Because believe it or not, I've read a couple books on film, too. Uh, again, they were in my 101 class, and they were select chapters. Randy, but- can we put an applause break in there when he said that? <laughs> I, I have the soundboard up. I could have done it. And, um, you know, one of the things was, you know, the, the auteur theory, where, like, no matter who the director is, they imprint part of themselves on it. And this was referring to back when film was an assembly line. Yeah. Well, now I looking at in-world camera, found footage, mockumentary, it's clearly the editor. And a lot of the time, the director is the editor. And so many found footage filmmakers shoot 80, 100 hours of footage and then mm-hmm. kind of find the movie in there. And the way that you tied that into your narrative, I just, I first I was like, awesome. Like, finally, somebody kind of gets it. Like, every edit is from a character. So why not lead into that? But also, there was a brief moment where I was worried that it was you talking. And it's like, I've made this movie so you can finally know me. And I'm like, is this Chris talking or a character? So I'm just curious about your process there. Okay, with, yeah. um, So with the auteur thing, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, that debate's been going on you know, since the old Kale and Sarah's debates and like, um, I think the bigger the movie is like, for instance, you know, you're seeing a Marvel movie, the chance of that being like a true auteur movie, I think is slim. So that I think is more like what Pauline Kale was saying. But when you get into the like Mm -hmm. low, no budget stuff, it's, I think it's almost impossible not to create an auteur movie because you don't have resources. You, you know, you might have a small crew, but you're having to do, um, everything. And then with, so with that, and then as far as like the movies concerned, like let's talk about found footage, which I'm, you know, I love found footage. Um, my issue with it is the same issue that everyone else has. Um, which is I have trouble not buying it. I mean, it's movies. I'm not like, yeah, you know, picking it apart too much, but you do sort of wonder where the footage came from, who made the cut, you know, some of the, you know, biggest flaws to me is when there's, they found the footage yet there's music cues in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So with something like near, I don't really see a way of getting around it without having someone in the movie make the movie so in near it was hollis who made the movie because then if you do that now you're opening it up to the idea of a character editing the movie now you can put music cues in now you can put titles in now you 
you almost have just as much freedom as someone else would have editing a movie, but it's now a character. So in near, for instance, Hollis keeps bleeping out his name until the end, until he's ready to show it. Cause he wanted to do that. I, I don't know. I think Blair Witch maybe managed to pull it off with the idea that they found these tapes because in the old days with those mini DV tapes, they were just all connected and there was like a static thing between them and you could almost put a DV tape in and it would play a hole. But when you're seeing something that's like off, you know, like more of a memory card stitch and it's having like static cuts between one shot to another shot that I get confused about. I'm like, there wouldn't be any, you know, you would have to put that in. That's a stylistic choice and you can put that in, but then I think you need, to have a character create the movie or, you know, yeah. a cop say at the beginning, he did this or he did what. So I don't know. You could have someone with fan footage argue on the other side, but just personally, that's just the only way I see a way to it is if someone's making it, you know? Um, and now Chris, I, I got to yeah. push back on you here, even though I agree with you. Sure. Yeah. Now, do you think you're like the rare director who's taking the dogma 95 rules to heart? Because we know, like, that's the best a- comparison I can come up with for these, like, unspoken we rules. We just watched the celebration, uh, like, two nights ago. That's funny. And how the many dog. rules did they break? Like, I don't like, think... We, we talked like, about think, that the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, like, the BGM being in a, in a found footage movie, a lot of the time, it's really like you're playing a balancing game. And you're like, yeah. well, do we... Do we want to like kind of lead our audience in a way that they may not notice or do we want to like let it lay flat? And I mean, I've definitely seen movies shoot themselves in the foot to like really stick to the rules. So is there any like, do you ever give yourself a break? Like I could break this one. Well, yeah, I mean, the first part, yeah, I'm with other people making movies. I, again, I'm a lot sort of easier on that movie, the movie's good. I'm not too, you know, the celebration was awesome, and it, it definitely broke a few dogma rules. And with found footage, the same thing. If the movie's great, you know, I, I'm just not a stickler like that with any type of movie. I'm not like, well, that plot point didn't make sense. I'm more about the, oh, the yeah. vibe, yeah. and the, like that's just more my take. But uh, to giving a bit of breathing room to me with a character make so, you know, um, again with near with Hall is making it. There's no anything is imaginable because it's anything he could do. So there never does have to be a moment where I'm like, Oh, that can't happen. As long as he's making the movie, anything is possible. So it's, I never really have to restrict myself and go, Oh, that can't be done. Um, Cause it just, it, it's that guy editing it. Um, so yeah, it's, I think I would feel more that way if I were doing four kids in the woods and they found the footage and now we're going to watch it. Um, which again, just, I love those type of movies. You know, I love watching them, but as far as making them less interested in that, I don't, you know, not to sound too much like a, whatever douchebag or something like that but i prefer (laughs) horror to like just with i when i'm doing it just to have a bit more uh little different of a i'm hesitant to say you know the art house element but 
try to bring in stuff, try to make it a little different. I, I don't, it's almost a flaw of myself that I don't see the genre that way. I have trouble doing a standard jump scare. And so, you know, whatever, like it just doesn't, uh, kind of interest me. Not that I think I'm above it or anything. It just doesn't, it's not just how I sort of want to attack things. Um, but that's just with found footage. Found footage. Yep. Sorry. No, I'm, I was going to say we got enough cats running out of closets, dude. We we don't need <laughs> we don't need you out there bringing us to good jump scares. You're doing your own thing, and it's like it's special. So yeah, get that shit out of your head, Chris. Off the top of your head, about how many movies a year do you think you see? Oh, nowadays it's it's easy to say. It's about one a night. Um, but when I was younger. Uh, yeah, it was. I'm in the thousands and thousands. I've got over ten thousand IMDb ratings or whatever. Like it's there's, it was days of movies and everything like that. And my mom was like a movie freak, and so like it was, and she was a horror freak. So it was like first horror I ever saw was a play, and I was bawling. I think it was about four, um, and then. Uh, she just didn't stop. She didn't take that as a sign. Oh, maybe we should slow down. She just, kept, <laughs> she just kept going. Um, and you know, so I look at my like grade one journals and I'm talking about, uh, yeah, I watched Freddy's dead last night or I watched, you know, Friday the 13th. The teacher's like, should you be watching this stuff? And blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was a lot of horror, but then, you know, you get older, you start branching out and seeing other stuff. Um, but no movies are huge, you know, uh, a lot of movies, a lot of movies, but I love everything. I mean, horror is definitely the main thing, but there's nothing, there's not a genre I don't enjoy, you, you know, musicals, old, you know, silent movies. Uh, Did you see Cats? The new one? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Oh, that. Chris, what? you're missing like, out. Is that, it, we had a Cam Classic, Cam Classic. We had a great time in the theater. <laughs> I think edibles were involved, but we had a great yeah. time. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, I heard so much about it. So, uh, yeah, that one does look looks wild. There are horror elements, <laughs> no doubt yeah, about Uncanny it. Uncanny Valley is strong in that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, Chris, two things in there. One, um, it's funny. I went over to my mom's last night, sure. and she slipped in a. Uh, Mickey? A defense of uh, showing me horror movies again. And I'm okay. like, you know, we're past that. What are you talking about? And she's like, I swear, I didn't show you anything. Everything was TV edited. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because I was worried about my boy eventually being scared of the Halloween decorations he loves right now. Right. Um, yeah. But you mentioned another thing in there. Uh, did you say you review stuff on IMDb? Oh, just, pri- just for my own reference, you know, just like. Honestly, it's more, as you guys know, when you get so, like, many movies, you don't even remember if you've seen something before. Yeah, yeah. You're like, did I see that or didn't I see it? And then you go check and you're like, oh, yeah, I did. And I didn't like it or I did like it or, I'm, yeah, it's, so it's not like, I'm not out there slanging reviews, and, you know, like writing written reviews or anything like that. It's more of just for a personal uh, sort of, and also because it's, I find movies still on there that I've seen that I forgot to check that I saw really young. Like, oh, yeah, you know, 
incident at yeah. Deception Ridge from midnight, like, you know, as a kid or something, <laughs> right? You know, some horrible thriller film or something. Um, well, it's but, yeah. unique, too, because when you're a horror fan and you're, like, digging for a gem, yeah. it can get rough because yeah. there's nobody to really talk to, at least back in the day. Like, nobody's going to understand an incident at Ridgemont or whatever. And it's yeah, like... Yeah. So then it doesn't even solidify in your brain and you may end up watching it like two or three times. And then, you know, 45 minutes in, you're like, fuck, I've seen this shit before. So it's even more important. I just thought it was curious that you went to IMDb and not like a letterbox. I'm on letterbox too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to follow you. I'm sure you're watching interesting shit all the time. Yeah. Or not because you didn't even watch cats. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I can, I mean, I'm not, we lean a lot to, we watch, do watch a lot of older movies to be uh, open, I guess. Like, again, I don't, <laughs> I, I hate, I, I hesitate to sound too film snobby, but you know, like. Oh, please do. Uh, it just seems like I a would, lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it's, do it. No, movies, no, because when we get into Nier, I want people to understand where this film came from. And I think it helps really paint that picture. If you're out here watching 1930s foreign films and, you know, documenting them on IMDb. Yeah, Yeah, that is more where we're, we watch a lot of, I mean, at a certain point, I just, I mean, this is not even getting too controversial, but at some point I think the writing just got weaker. Um, Like, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was just, and it was, they treated you so much. We saw this movie uh, maybe last week called the the Grand Buffet uh, from the seventies as a French film actually, but had a lot of Italian actors in it. Um, and they just go to this uh, house, all these sort of like uh, rich cats is to eat themselves to death. Right. And they just play it like it's really gnarly. And I think it actually could have a crossover audience with horror fans. It isn't technically, I guess an art house film, but it's pretty grotesque. Um, and just the way it was written and the subtlety and the amount that it let you think and all this shit. And then you go, you know, not every new movie, tons of, we saw the empty man the other night, which I thought was phenomenal, but sometimes you see a new movie and you're going, what the fuck is this? This seems like a first draft of a script. You know what I mean? Like there's a great idea in there, but you like could be, you're talking down to us. Um, I'll tell you this. One thing I can't, I I'll stand on this hill and we get a lot of it these days is propaganda movies, movies that have oh, a yeah. set agenda in mind. I don't care if you're on the right or the left or this or whatever, a movie should be there for you to take in and then, you know, process, come up with your own ideas. I hate it when like, I feel like I'm watching like a university thesis on something. It's like, yeah, okay. like you've never come up with these ideas before. Um, so I, I find just a lot of, it's not even just cinema. I mean, watch Dick Cavett and then watch Jimmy Fallon. Like they just treated yeah. an audience smarter back in the day. Like there's just no way around it. You know, like you'd have intellectuals on TV debating shit for like fucking 40 minutes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like today yeah. we're going to have Marshall McLuhan talking to, who, you know, you're like, it's, and the worst part is, because people go, oh, people are so, you know, they've dumbed us down. Blah, blah. I don't even know if I buy that. I think people no. are smart as ever. I just don't think they're getting the content 
to feed into that part of themselves. You know, they've been tricked almost to think that, uh, especially visual entertainment content has to be dumb. And it's no wonder kids are like playing video games now more than movies. You're giving them fuck all to chew on. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like for real, you know? Um, well, so I, it, I think it, yeah. it goes back to where you started when you were talking about like the YouTube and you used to put up mm. a video and you get a thousand views. Sure. Well, now that's turned into a fucking war of attrition and you got to wear people down and it's clickonomics and it's got to be punchy and you can make millions with YouTube shorts. So why even go long form content? And I, I yeah. really think that's why podcasts are still a thing. Like it, this is long form and. You know, we're not going to edit this down or anything yeah. where, you know, the YouTube yeah. videos we do with Terrell, we spend 800 times long, longer than the runtime of the actual video, just cutting it down to be like punchy because that's what that medium demands. So sure. no, yeah, I don't know. I mean, not to kiss your guys ass, but it's a hundred percent true. Podcasts are actually one of like, you know, social media has its place and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but podcasts are one of the great things to come out of that because now we do get to hear long form ideas. It's not all like, again, even if, you know, Marshall McLuhan's on and he's having that 40 minute debate. Well, now you can have a four hour debate and then you yeah. can watch another one after, and then you can do this. Like, it's really a beautiful thing with like, and I think a lot of people um, get a lot of information from podcasts. I think they're more important now than, you know, 15 years ago when it was like, Carl Pilkington and Gervais and all them and everything. Like now we're getting a true, yeah. you know, breadth of information, whatever you want to know, you know, a four hour podcast is talking about one movie. You know, you didn't even get that yeah. in DVD special features back in the day. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're diving deep. And, um, no, I think podcasts are really key, honestly. And, uh, but the, I don't think, Again, the visual entertainment, a lot of the movies, the TV and stuff is feeding into that. But you're absolutely right with two with, uh, you know, I mean, it's sometimes cringe now even to go on YouTube and you'll see a good video. But the thumbnail is so fucking ridiculous. Some guy like hamming for the camera with like a bright green screen <laughs> and like a thumb pointing to the top corner. You're just like, what the fuck? Do you want me to click on Dude, that? I feel like I got Chris, I, I feel I feel like uh, I'm being attacked right now as I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I veer into thumbnail. And you, you want to know the thing? It's I came I started exactly with the statement in my head that you just put out there. Like I'm like, yeah. we're not going to do that. You know what happens? Nothing. You get no traction. Yeah, so slowly over time, I started looking at like, okay, what's the theory here? And you hear Mr. Beast talk about it all the time. And then uh, you yeah. catch up yep. to it. And then he's like, yep. thumbnails are out, dude. He's like, it's the first 30 seconds. And his shit oh was so God. wild that he would say the way he would plan a video is yeah. thumbnail first. He's like, I try to think of a thumbnail people would click on. Then I make that video. Like, oh that's how God weird it's but you know at the end of the day but i think it's just good different. too yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's different it's it's definitely different and and well i mean you know it's the pod calling the kettle black too because you know i help my girlfriend with this sort of like we keep right off the radar but like a you know travel type thing you know and we mm. have the, the lamest thumbnails too right like um how so long does it, it take it, you to make a thumbnail 
not too bad, honestly. Uh, 20 minutes, you know, 20 minutes, maybe 25. Uh, but I'll go through a couple. You know, they'll be like, yeah. is this one good or is this one good? Where, again, in the old, old days, you'd upload a video, you'd have the three images to pick from, you pick one, and, you know, you were cool. I don't even know if they had thumbnails beginning. I don't think they did. I think that's new. Yeah, it was kind of like a moment in yeah. the video. But that's the thing then. is like the, the formula for the thumbnails is very specific now. Big it time. isn't. It Big isn't. Time. I've been again. I've got I've wasted so much time. Actually, you know, I, I shouldn't say that because it is a marketable skill now. Because I mean, if you scroll through YouTube, yeah, it's more than not. It's that formula where the big heads. Yeah. And it's like da 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 and you see the picture of the thing and you see a picture of the person who's going to talk about the thing. Well, there so here's a nuance that you might not think about is text in the thumbnail. Also that? That right. will that's a very right. different type of video. And I've learned that I used to do a lot of text in um the Blu-ray Tuesdays, but I realized sure. I was signaling to the wrong audience because text right. indicates that it's informational and that oh I'm going to uh, read this and that I do. And, and your texts were too horny. Oh, is that it? <laughs> Sex sells. Well, I think so. Here's the other problem. Unlike film, you know, you kind of buy a ticket and you're in a theater or you click on here you spent 40 minutes on Netflix and you finally clicked a, an image. Yep. You're kind of in and you're like, okay, I'm going to give them like a half hour well, on YouTube with the content. You really got to prove that you're being authentic immediately. And you have to keep giving people this like reward system. Like you clicked yep. on this image. Immediately, I'm going to give, which is, you know, Mr. Beast taught everybody this, where he'll have, mm -hmm. I'm going to give an island away. And then the first, <coughs> I, somebody broke it down, 20 seconds, he's eliminated two people and told you how he's going to eliminate them. Yep. And this right. is why, yep. like, you know, he's the king. Yep. But Because yep. he has dedicated his entire yeah. life to those 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah but no, everything is, was built for that. And, I mean, yeah, and he's got the built-in brand recognition. It's tougher when you're going to a new channel, a new thing, um, and seeing, but I'll tell you, it's leaked even to like with near, for instance, like when we did the poster, we had a strong suspicion that it was going to be on, you know, a lot of people are going to be seeing it through Tubi. you know, it's not a lot, but that'd be one of the main sources of people seeing it. And the poster actually, you know, um, and I was only, marginally involved in, you know a little bit i might yeah. say but it, it wasn't totally mine and uh that was talked about a lot i like i think i was wrong i came with a poster idea and they're like that's not gonna play on tubi you're gonna be scrolling through a ton of movies and you want something that's gonna get someone to click and you know, my argument, oh, no, we just got to be this. This is the movie and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, it doesn't matter what the movie is if no one watches the fucking movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's and it's hard with a movie to take the Mr. Beast philosophy to get people 20 seconds in no matter what the poster is. Right. And so, I, you know, I sort of like relented on that battle and just took that, you know, it was my ignorance. And like sometimes like you know, art doesn't triumph over what makes sense to people to see the fucking movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, what I, you know I, I think at the end of the day, it's all about finding your audience though. And yeah. I, I think yeah. for a lot of indie horror filmmakers, the, the method is listen to these weird corporate people who are like, your poster's not going to play on Tubi 
or you right. know your movie's not going to sell at Walmart with that cover. Yeah. Like yeah. listen to them and then go on Instagram and put up your poster. Um our right. buddy Robbie Smith, he he made a what do you call it? Slow cinema, very um like thoughtful meditative piece about okay. like suicide and people okay. dealing with it. And then <laughs> you look at the poster cut by Terror Films and you know in the trailer and it's like whoa that feels almost like a lie <laughs> right but right people right. will watch it and it's like at the end of the day that's all that's really what matters so you know he threw up a trailer he cut on instagram which i think is much better but there's that option and then i know it immediately what conversation that leads to which is like well how do you get an audience on instagram yeah. and still be a yeah. fucking filmmaker uh yeah it's <laughs> it comes back down to the beginning in the grind. I mean, uh, you know, it, there's really no way. I mean, yeah, I was, I was talking to someone about this today, actually. On And there's not. Unless you have some big pop culture thing happen to you and you have like your moment of 15 minutes, like for the rest of us, it's literally grind person to person on person. And to, yeah. like think that, you know, anyone truly cares about what you do like let's just say no one knows you whatever you're you just made something and you're going to post your first youtube video you're going to post whatever you have no built-in audience and that someone's going to care you're so fucking mistaken no one's going to care about it's a fuck about you i know everyone's tripping <laughs> to thinking they do but no one cares you know so you have to convince every single person and then you'll get you know one person might lead to two and those two might tell someone there is a snowball effect, but to think that you don't have to put the work in to get to grind it out. Uh, I think those who don't are few and far between, or they're the people who make something and then, you know, that's it. You know, they never make like, let's stick with podcasts. How many people started a podcast, did 10 episodes oh, and were like, fuck this and like moved on. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to build those followers up, you know? Yeah, and to even reverse that idea, I'm somebody who is really interested in the idea of like cinema living on YouTube. I am actively looking for them, and I can't find them. And I know there are directors out there who made a, a movie, like a, like a traditional film, and yep. put it on YouTube, and they can't find me. So it's almost like the algorithm's not built for that. <laughs> it's really oh. not. And um oh. You know, I'm sure there are people out there looking for you, Chris, and uh, we're we're here to help them find you. Well, no, that's a, that's appreciated, and that's you know, and that's what I say too. The best is like, you know, if you like real, go talk to Slasher Victim Six Six Six, or you want to see real. I see that all the time in the little real stuff. Like, oh, I can, like you know, I'll find some comment thread, or I'll find some someone left a review of it, and in the comments, I can't find real. Well, it is available on you know realstore.net but go talk to slasher he'll show it you want to see near come talk to me um and it's that idea of person to person uh connection it's almost like we're all on some like virtual carnival now at this point you know what i mean and it's like come to my booth I'll show you shit. Oh, and if you're just walking by, well, I might yell at you. Yo, you should check this out. You should check this out. Come on into this booth, you know, but just to have a booth with like hidden in the back corner, you got to shake it up. So I think it's that direct one-on-one -on -one connection. Um, like I know Slasher Victim talks about that all the time, how he connects to everyone one-on-one. -on -one. And that I think 
has made more um, real fans than a normal movie of that uh, sort of budget or whatever. It's people feel special, you know, like when they <laughs> and then they die. I'm so confused yeah. by this. When, <laughs> when I look at it, it feels like they connect with them and then they end up in a short <laughs> and they're gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy the amount of people <laughs> who want to go to the Golden House, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about Nier, because... Yeah. Yes, thank you, finally. Yeah, I... Well, I mean, I can't help it. Um, It's rare that we, we veer into territory where, the, you know, clearly Chris owns some unearthed films right next to some Criterion. And, you know, this is exactly the type of dude I love talking to. But... Now I, I'm I'm curious how all this like film like you just watched a dogma film. Also that movie, The Grand Buffet, I found yeah. it on IMDb. Out here, it's The Big Feast. I yeah, highly I'm gonna watch that. Title. That's it's yeah, dude. If you want something different? It's again, I'd still say it's an art house film, but it I think horror fans could get behind it. It's NC seventeen from 1973. It was I'm super controversial when it dropped. Super, it's less offensive these days but still grotesque for sure okay now now how does all of this like film history knowledge like you're a veteran of the of the audience game here how does that translate into what almost feels like a childlike idea for a script where somebody's convinced that whenever anybody gets near them they die okay yep yep uh so that i mean that comes from a couple different ideas um, that almost just like bubbled up. I, I've heard of even, you know, near hasn't been out long, but I've had a couple people, you know, one person reached out and said, Oh, thanks for making this movie. It's a metaphor for the pandemic. Uh, oh, okay. Another person talked about social media. It's, I think it was about, uh, it sort of bubbled up unconsciously and I don't know if I have even dug too deep into where that came from. I can tell you something. I'll give you something because I don't like all the answers. I, you know, I, I do like people to do a little bit of like work with their brain, but the one thing I was really wanted to bring out was this idea of, um, this ties into kind of what we're talking about is the idea that, Nowadays, you almost have to create two people, you know, who you are and who you're presenting. And so yeah. I wanted all the main characters to each in their own way, not be true to their authentic self. So everyone was, you know, whether it's Hollis in the woods, um, talking about how he had to change all the time with his families and, you know, because he was an orphan or um, Nova, you know, social media. She's obviously you know, has self mutilation issues, but she's pretending everything's fine. You have the other three who are actually lying about who they are. They're doing like a hustle and a scam, you know? Um, so that's something I was really consciously playing with was those kind of characters. Um, but I don't a big, you know, you mentioned the art house and the horror and, this will kind of hopefully sell more to like a horror fan. I'm not a fan of the subtext overtaking the movie in any movie. Thank you. I subscribe yeah. to like the Romero Dawn of the Dead approach where you can, you can get all the consumerism, you know, metaphors out of that and blah, blah, blah. But you can also just enjoy a fucking zombie. movie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't have to yeah. do 
either or. Um, and that's, I think, that's what I hope, you know, fingers crossed, uh, that try to do with something like Nier is to keep that subtext there where, you you know, if you want to work on it, but also I hope that, like, there's enough weird shit happening and, you know, death scenes and, like, a road movie um, kind of happening that it's enough to, you know, you can just enjoy it surface level, right? Um, but I, I do think it, I think the death thing is something, I don't know, that we can all relate to in one way or another. Sometimes it just feels like, um, I mean, I've had a lot of people say it's kind of like what it feels like when you're depressed or when you're, and I, I kind of don't want to pop any of those bubbles. I just, you know, it's, Good. yeah, yeah, it's just, it's kind of that, but I will say the, the putting the, the divide between who someone is and who they're presenting, that was a real conscious thing for sure. So that's a good starting point for some, but also again, if you're not into this shit, just watch it. And there's like, you know, <laughs> a girl's got a fucking knife on her crotch or something like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> crazy shit. You know, it too. So it's, like, it's interesting, Chris, because you, as, as a horror fan who does buy like unearth films or who, you know, watches kind of the extreme genres the problem with those genres is that you can feel that the directors are like this is our money maker this is our baby all we have to do is shock people and we're we're often not concerned about anything else yeah yet you're kind of in this weird position where you're walking a fine line of like uh like these meditative themes and like gore like like in the real films it gets a little bit extreme and in this one, you open up with a girl, uh, Nova puts a razor in her mouth and you're pretty upfront about like, Hey, we're, we're going to take this far. And I'm, I'm just curious with the Mr. Beast theme. Like, is that, do you think you're scaring away people immediately or is it important to be honest about where we're going? Yeah. I'm, I can't say that like with that, uh, a kind of column A, column B scenario, I, um, this movie had to be a certain amount of edge. That's how, you know, the producers wanted it here. Um, yeah. Personally, I didn't want to go. I'm ha- I love how it turned. I don't have any problems with it, but I, I don't think it's as crazy as like a slasher victim movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, I, and the, you know, I'm writing something right now. We're going to a couple movies right now, but I'm don't want to, <clears throat> I'm not into just sort of like gore films for, I love violence. I love the gore moments and um, there will be gore parts and different stuff and everything like that. But, you know, I would like to kind of explore There's one piece I'm writing, I think has a lot more to do with uncanny atmosphere, that sort of, uncomfortable it's still not generic by any means but it's not uh as transgressive i would say it's not like (laughs) you know trying to you know push the edge just to push it um well i I don't know i almost get like a feeling like you're almost like a little bit ashamed of how gory these can get uh, no no i think like to me how i look at it's like this is like um you know, I'm always going to be like, 
the fact that I'm homies with Slasher Victim 666, <laughs> he, he, he's not stopping anytime soon. And he's just going to keep getting crazier and crazier and crazier. I'll say that. Um, but on, so that's Slasher doing his thing. Um, my thing I'd like to kind of expand into some different areas still horror i only want to make horror films um and i again i don't want i'm not hoping to get that like oh finally i can do my jump scare film it's no nothing like that but just some different um avenues and because i do agree i think um i think the gore can turn off certain people and again slasher i want uh, you know I'm happy with him sort of like he wants to do his thing and, you know, build that out. I love that. Um, but then I'd love this other lane of, you know, movies that push it in a different way. Um, cause again, I think the genre needs I'm a huge, huge fan when horror films push it out, you know, cause like we were saying at the beginning with genre and subversion, uh, this is one other beef I have with horror is sometimes when non horror fans and I can feel it, make a horror movie. Cause they think horror fans are idiots. All we have oh, to yeah. do is X, Y, or Z. And this will get my career to the next spot. And we end up with yep. a generic piece of shit. Um, I think there's a lot of room for expanding the genre out to other things. And I think what Slasher's doing with, extreme cinema and he's got his different influences there he's going to keep expanding that out because i've heard people even say <clears throat> real is like august underground or something um I, I me when i watch real i don't see i see what they're saying but i don't personally see that i i see it's an extreme movie but to me, Slasher's trying to do something else, and so he's going to keep pushing out. But stay extreme, keep pushing out what that could be. But then over on this other side, I'd like to keep pushing out. Um, and you know, failing, who knows? But I'd rather fail at trying to push something out and just see what the genre can do and try to give different feelings and different that than here comes the jump scare, you know, every seven <laughs> minutes or whatever, yeah. and like. Um, yeah, I, did you guys see that Brazilian movie Baccarat? Yes, that was yeah. pretty interesting for uh, mixing different stuff. Like it was almost a horror film, but almost yeah. a western, and very, very different. Um, and that was—I mean—that I would not put in the horror category, but I love that that guy was trying to push genre cinema as a whole out. He's going, listen, we don't have to make a Sergio Leone homage that just feels like you literally just, you know, watched Once Upon a Time in the West and now you're copying it. We can expand in a different way. And we can also put some, when I mean, you got fucking Udo Kier in it and shit like that, like you can yeah. throw that element in there and you can throw this. And it's really interesting. Um, now the stuff I personally want to make is a lot darker, a lot more fucked up and a lot more twisted, but I, don't i don't just want a crutch of gore you know like that's but i'm not against it love a good gore. <laughs> well yeah i mean in in near i mean you certainly go beyond the gore 
uh, which I think would be a great uh, DVD uh, extra <laughs> little feature to put up for near would be beyond the gore near uh, behind the scenes. But no, because I mean, you know, Chris, you 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 definitely bring us to um, a pretty low, cold <laughs> emotional level that we we're that we know we're headed towards, like. At watching this movie, like we know it has to end one way, and we no. we don't want it to, but and when it does, we're like, yeah, we're here, and uh, <laughs> and I'll t- I'll say it, it because um, you know we've had a great conversation here, but and you know I, it's we haven't talked is in deep in the movie as we we typically do on those things, and um, I just want to say that I love the movie. And I think that um, I'm okay with feeling bad after a movie. So, so don't feel bad about that. Um, I, 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 I don't mind getting beaten up. And um, because that's the thing, I feel like you are testing those boundaries. And I think that just the, the overall execution of everything was, was fantastic because I think that the, the acting in this, everyone your two storylines combined in such a great way that it was a Jerry Springer esque battle <laughs> that uh, I could not have enjoyed more. Right, Russ? Oh like it, it turned into Jerry Springer. Yeah. Kind and of. it was fantastic. And I no, think I that, and that. then, yeah. And then we just kind of grew from there. So, I just think that, and so I, I, I want to talk briefly a little bit about your casting because everyone just kind yep. of brought this very natural energy that just worked so well together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, God. Yeah. This was my favorite cast of by far ever worked with on any project or anything, you know, going back to wherever. Um, the style I do with this is, um, because like I, I want to give them all the proper credit is, um, and there's another thing with found footage. I don't believe in like, I, I scripts have a point, but I don't think they belong in found footage. It, you, I think you lose an authenticity. Um, so the movie's super plotted. Like, I <clears> know <throat> it's not, you know, we know where every scene's going. We know where the movie's going. We know, you know, blah blah blah. And I got all that and jot notes. And very primitive though. Um, but knowing, knowing the, the points we have to hit, then once we're on set or doing whatever, I kind of, beforehand, I kind of don't even give the actors too much. We talk a lot about their character, you know, not the scene, but about their character, blah, blah, blah. They're this type of person, you know, whatever. Might give them some music choices or whatever. Just, just vibe the character. Don't worry about getting your lines right coming up. Just vibe it. And then when we get to set, that's really, really when they're starting to get fed the actual information. And then it's like, okay, here's what you have to do. Here's where we have to get to. Here's a key line that needs to be said. Now do your thing. And um, to tie into the like hundred hours of footage and everything like that, you're shooting digital. So why put that much pressure on nailing everything perfectly you know, and the film footage is easy. There's not like sometimes there's minimal lighting, but it's not complicated. Like 
traditional cinema lighting setups, the audios and camera. Sometimes there's a mic hidden, but it's pretty, it's nothing like, you know, I come from a background of concept trailers. I used to do concept trailers for people way back in the day. And that was kind of like Hollywood for a weekend. Right. Um, They were big. They were big. And you'd have like 30 people in like a small apartment set up, you know, you guys know there it's, it's slow, you know, and, uh, and there's a rigidness to that. So that's how, you know, I even came on the side was trying to throw that rigidness away and let's get loose and let's have the actors actually explore the characters. And here's the thing. If you leave it to actors, especially this bunch, they're going to come up with better shit than you could come up with. If, if it's you doing it all, you, you know, this, I think there's about 30 people in the year. If they all had Chris's DNA in it, a hundred percent, it would be a boring fucking movie. Cause I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but the yeah. fact yeah, of collaboration, like, okay, yeah, do you, and the, even verbiage, my slang is one way. If I'm writing yeah. in a script, it's going to kind of be that way. Every single person has their own slang, their own nuances, their own, whatever. Um, so this was a rare movie. And I mean, <clears throat> I, I hopefully everyone else felt that way too, but like where every even little scene we were doing, I was always blown away with what the actors were bringing. And I'm telling you, that's not always when you go into it in this way, um, you usually have moments where you're like, fuck, I'm going to have to edit around this, or I'm going to have to, a lot of this scene won't make it. But this was like, everyone was like, like that hanging scene, for instance, uh, I, to me, I thought everyone, my expectations were pretty moderate for that hanging scene. Um, and what, how that was done was just, you know, it took about an hour to set up, like not the set, the set up, whatever, whatever. We're all there. Okay. We got the hang. We got the noose. We got the whatever. But then I took each person aside one by one. We talked briefly about what their character would feel. And I said, okay, let's not talk to anyone about that. And then I did that to every person, which took about an hour. Then when we yelled action, everyone just exploded into their own take on what we talked about. And it was like, so this guy was like, let's hang the fucker. And this person's like, I gotta get <laughs> out of here. This person's shaking and shit. And I was like, holy fuck. Like they were just, they blew me away. Cause they were, they were, it was a smaller role. So you didn't expect them to bring so much energy. Um, so yeah, the cast, but all the specific dialogue minus some few key lines and stuff, all theirs. Uh, um, Chris, let me hop in here real quick. Yeah. So is is that something in your approach in there? Is that something that you've done in the past or is this sort of a, a new approach for you? Uh, yeah, I've, I've tried experimented with stuff like that in, in the past, um, near, I found it like where it really worked. Um, we're going way back in the day. I always was scripted and, um, you kind of have to warn people too like when they even sign up for this you go okay this is a found footage thing they're like can i read the script i go there's no script they kind of know what the fuck is going on here like (laughs) i almost think you're just skipping steps like i don't worry i trust and i i don't cast by um i again coming from spec trailers everything was like you know casting rooms big long lines multiple days putting people on the spot which i found useless the way I cast now is I just see something by someone and then I go out for a coffee with them for a couple hours and we just shoot the shit. Not even really about the movie. I vibe kind of who they are. And if I think they got 
that for the role, boom, let's do it. And the rest, if you got that going for you, if you got an, an actor who's done something all right, you vibe with them as a person, you don't need to give them much. They can fucking, they're smarter than you, you know? And uh, so I'm, it's something I'm, I'll tell you this. There's a new one I'm writing right now, <clears throat> which is a not found footage. I'm working on, <clears throat> get a drink of water. <laughs> I'm working on you like this. I'm working on a screen life right now and another found footage. Oh. Both half, both half. Okay. So they're, you know, and I think Slasher's working on real three. So tons, but the one I'm like writing for, haven't started shooting, um, is not found footage. Uh, but that I'm even planning on writing the script, getting it done, and then telling people to memorize the script and then forget it. You know, that's a new approach I'm going to try with that, which is so the lines matter, not the specific lines, but the, the movements matter a little more like boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. But then I also don't want you stuck. I love Tarantino, but I don't want it to feel like a Tarantino movie. You know, I don't yeah. want every character to sound like Chris cause fuck, I, this doesn't yeah. interest me or I think the audience fucking at all, you know? Um, but yeah, great cast. I thought, you know, like Janine, I thought was phenomenal. The, all the first five, you know, Connor, Janine, Lydia, just, you know, Evo, Angelo, just five leads. I thought killed it. Love to work with. Yeah, them all. I, I agree. And Janine scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be anywhere near her. When while we're talking about the actors, I do want to say it felt like you got very intimate performances out of them. And I, I'm curious, are you at all influenced by like Mumblecore or like Mumble Gore? Yeah, yeah, sure. I I love uh, love a lot of stuff there. Um, yeah, I, a lot of it. I mean, it goes back to to like even older stuff, like the old French stuff and blah blah blah. Just I just sort of, I never understood Hitchcock's way of actors or cattle. Yeah, I just, yeah. it doesn't click with me at all. I have nothing but the utmost respect for actors. I think they're actually doing a lot of shit that people behind the camera wish they could fucking do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's be so vulnerable. Um, so it's not, a, I mean, I've seen a lot of Mumblecore. It's not a direct influence from there, but it's the idea again, like the French new wave or whatever, or just general small movies. It's just treating people like fucking humans. And you'd be surprised how far they're willing to fucking go for you. You know what I mean? Like it's, you, I'm, I don't know. You guys have probably seen it. You go to even like some, uh, student short, just like sort of ghost on the back or something. And you'll have like this fucking student director yelling at a fucking, act. <laughs> it's the, not they or whatever. Yeah. Like, Holy fuck. Like bring yeah. it down. Like, I don't, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 you know, what kind of school you were raised. And I think that, the, that, you know, the Hitchcock model that you speak, you know, that's an outdated model for sure. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know. Well, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, that people don't carry that over, but I mean, you know, I think typically they would come from a more traditional stage background. That would be, you know, something that I could see. Um, you know, some, some actors specifically, and I think that they could kind of, you know, Chris may have experienced this of like, you know, how comfortable 
are, you know, some actors in the in the casting process, you know, with such a, a free script like that to where, you know, you know, some actors are like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not a writer. Are you going to pay me to be a writer for this movie? It's like, you know, they, they kind of come from that side of it. So, you know, I, uh, dude, I, I remember hearing a lot of that with Curb. Curb, your enthusiasm. Yeah. People Curb would complain. Actually, like, yeah. The Curb was an influence, though. But sorry, I cut you off. There. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, no, no. no. Because like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, your formula is, is, is clean and simple. It's basically, you know, uh, we've got the plot. I want actors who can improvise, um, you know, give me, you know, natural actors who are comfortable with improvisation and then find the movie in the edit. You know, that, that's pretty much what we're doing here, right? There, yeah, there's one element that I, cause I, I totally hear what you're saying with is like, and that's to me the <clears throat> underrated and this is where you know I'll give myself a little bit of credit on the acting side of things um and something I've definitely was not good at but have gotten better at and it's actually the process of casting because actually I, I believe that any as far as like being theater actors or whatever um I think anyone can act I think your <clears throat> you know your aunt teresa can act what the the difference in and everyone is is the range. Aunt Teresa yeah. can probably do Aunt Teresa not bad. Maybe a couple tier you know, I wish you could see my hands, but like a couple tiers wider than that. And then you might have like, you know, a phenomenal improviser who's ton trained and everything who can go super wide and do a million uh different variations. So as long as you because that is to me how a movie falls apart where you start casting actors and you start putting them in roles that aren't in their range, you know? And I think, again, if you write the role to the actor, there's been times, for instance, even with Nier, where I had a character written. Um, that's not to say they're not a good actor. It's just who they are. And then you don't force it. Good example is the uncle who I thought was awesome uh, at the beginning of the movie with uh, the long hair, Michael. Um, yeah, well, we know uh, the uncle. He is great. Yeah, he's <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, he, in my original like idea, was a much, much different. Sort of like, uh, you know, middle age, boring. Sort of like, just kind of just this generic guy who had a bunch of money and just was sort of like, uh, you know, very beta ish. Just boring. Anyways, so I'm talking to Michael. And he's phenomenal. Like just talking to him, like this guy is fucking, and he's not like the character, but just, just talking to him. And so it's like, okay, so let's change it to this. So then we got on set. First time we turned the camera on, he started doing something a little different than what kind of was originally going to happen. And it was 10 times better. So then we <laughs> doubled down on it. We're like, okay, let's just keep that going. Let's keep this going. More of that, more of that. And yeah. again, it was awesome. So it's like, I don't think the bigger the range, the better the actor. I'm not even saying that, but you have to cast within their range. You know, I don't think anyone would say like fucking De Niro is a bad actor, but he does have a range. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like it's not infinite. It does have to kind of be in, you know, and again, Aunt Teresa's range is small. So you can. So if you're shooting a backyard movie, you can fucking hire your family. You can hire your buddies. Just make sure the parts aren't like. Sure. One quick story. We did a backyard movie, you know, when we were kids, like 
and uh, like you know teens, and I wrote this huge fucking script, and we all said it was horrible, and but we're all like <laughs> seventeen, what was 18, it called? nineteen. What was it called? Uh, oh my, it's Small World, Small World, brutal. Um, <laughs> so it was multiple stories. It was like an anthology film, hundred and eighty six page script. It shows you how nuts I was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're doing these stories. And the one story I got these 17, 18, 19 year olds doing, they're all wearing business suits and talking about cocaine and being gangsters. And everything. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is like, if they were just in the woods and some bad shit was happening, it would have at least made sense. But their range wasn't this grizzled 40 year old fucking. So, you know, it's dumb. You know, they could have been great actors, but it was my casting that, you know, made it look like the suits were all too big for them. And it's horrible. Yeah. Man, I love that. You know, I'm almost like actor blind. Like I don't know why, but I when I watch a movie, I assume that everything is happening because that's the way they wanted it to be, which I know is wrong. But well, I th- I just think you have face blindness because I have to oh introduce my myself to you every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Um, no, it's interesting when you're talking about Hitchcock and the way he treated actors, because I've heard that too. And one of my favorite things in like film is looking at how. I look at Vertigo and how Hitchcock did and the whole, like, you know, he wanted Grace Kelly and he was like, Kim Novak was nobody compared to her and she ruined the movie yet. She's playing a character who's acting like a character. So when her portrayal is poor, it actually adds like a depth to the film that I don't think Hitchcock ever appreciated. But you know, in Hitchcock Truffaut, Truffaut was like, this is why the movie works, man. Like you got lucky with her. And I think of that kind of shit. And then I think of it translating to like Marvel nowadays and what you said with Tarantino, where everything is just so polished and perfect. And it's that Spielberg style where it's like the magic of cinema should be blind. Like people should not recognize that uh, Indiana Jones took three minutes to grab his hat. It should feel like 10, but it doesn't matter. Like everything is tangible and the story should just be fun. I, on the other hand, think that we're entering an era where that's going to become woefully um, it's not going to work. And I think AI is going to be a big problem there sure, because yeah. as AI gets better and better. That's the kind of shit it's going to churn out. So I think with film, uh, what you're doing is really valuable because now, you know, when you look at like Neil Breen or, um, yeah, or fucking Tommy Wiseau. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now, I can't remember who said it, and I wish I could give them credit, but they say that the room was the last important cultural film period. And I think what they're articulating there is outsider art. I think it was Jay yeah. Leno. And yeah, it was definitely <laughs> Jay Leno. And, uh, and the idea is just that, you know, it captivated an audience who was kind of laughing at it, but they didn't really understand the power of like outsider art and the idea yeah. that you don't know what's happening in this movie. Like they're not playing by the rules. Everything is on its head. And those can be boring, too, because if they're one note, you want to turn it off, which, you know, I'm new to Neil Breen and we watched uh, Twisted Pair and I thought it was kind of abysmal. And I actually thought that I had come into the film the wrong way. But then we watched his new movie. Cade the Tortured Crossing. Cade the Tortured Crossing. (laughs) And I thought that was a masterpiece like of like IMDb or like of the Internet image search on Google in cinema. And. And I think, honestly, the, the beauty is going to be in the imperfection as we 
enter the fucking dawn of AI. So uh, I, 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 think I think you're on the right, right. trajectory. Yeah, well, I, I I appreciate that. It's, I mean, I I don't even know or buy into even maybe the idea that that there is a right or wrong way. I think what they should be telling kids at like film school or whatever, you know, just telling them, uh, you know, on a YouTube video or whatever is it's your own way. The, like the great direct, whether it's a Hitchcock or Godard or uh, Neil Breen or, you know, Kevin Smith or whatever, they're doing it their own way. You can not like their way, but they're doing yeah. it in their way. And that's like, uh, I think the most important um, to get different stuff. The way I see it is like, you're on a boat, you're trying to get to the island. The director is the guy moving the motor. You're going to hit waves. You're going to do whatever. You're going to hit, you know, crazy stuff. You just make sure the boat gets to the island and make the decisions accordingly. But you're not like God. You're not like controlling how the waves are going to go or the weather or anything like that. That's what makes sense to me. You know, I like the collaborative thing. Yeah. There might be some like David Fincher who wants to do 200 takes, and, you know, make things so fincher you you haven't hit this level yet <laughs> so we don't even start counting until we're on take 40 you know whatever that's yeah. fine like i just i don't like the idea again that there's right or wrong ways that's why i love the french new wave because they were like slapping us in the face and they were the first to do it to go listen motherfuckers there isn't a right way we can do anything this is a thing called cinema it's a fucking 100 years old 120 whatever it's so young it's not like painting. It's not like, like we haven't even figured this shit out yet. Explore, explore and fail, explore and go wrong, but fucking explore, you know, and don't let anyone tell you, Oh, well, this isn't a, a proper three act structure. Or you need your inciting incident to happen. And like, you know, but like what, you know, Maya Darren, the experimental filmmaker said the best, you know, and this is in the forties. She's like, all we're doing is filming fucking plays. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not what movies could be. You know, they could be, we don't know what they could be. So it's, I don't know. I just, they can be anything. It can be fucking anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, yeah, that we shouldn't, you know, shackle our own selves down. And uh, that's why we got guys like you, you know, making movies like near. (laughs) <laughs> appreciate that appreciate good it. job you know? <laughs> we, we gotta wrap yeah, up here yeah. <laughs> well chris dude you gotta come back dude you're you're yeah, so anytime. much fun to talk to anytime i love talking to you guys well before before we let him go um we should say near is out now uh on tubi tubi i think there's a version on youtube it's actually on like i don't even know all the places. there's like 20 30 different places it is tubi's probably the most the biggest uh, thing is DVD soon. Um, I'm sort of out of loop. It's on there. You want to find it, but if you can't find it, uh, you know, shoot me a message. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Uh, and I'll help you find it. You want to see now, the real, where else are you going to get this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Well, here, here's the thing with Tubi. Cause I feel like you, you, I don't know. You're not championing Tubi like I really want from you here. Sure. And I'm, yep. I'm going to tell you a little bit. <laughs> now, when you're an uh, when you're an IG horror fan or yep. you're a TikTok horror fan, even shorter attention span, Tubi is your friend because when you see a movie's on Tubi, in that brief moment that you have the inspiration of, oh, I want to watch this, 
you know, without thinking about it, you can jump on there and watch it immediately. Now, unless you're in another country or something, which even if it's like Amazon Prime, like there's always like, did I unsubscribe from Shudder? So Tubi's your friend, and I think you're going to get a lot of traction there. And I've watched it twice on Tubi already. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Openly, I know Tubi. I'm, you know, aware of it, but I am. I've watched a couple movies from there, but more, I guess, accidentally. I've never done the full Tubi plunge browsing, seeing everything they got. Um, so I'm definitely ignorant of. Because I'll tell you, oh. now that Nears out there, I'm seeing Tubi talked about a lot, and you know, nothing but good things. Well, bring your spelunking equipment because <laughs> you, you know, yeah. You're going deep down. No, Clark's not, he's not joking there. Uh, We used to have a, you know, we would hang out and watch Amazon Prime and just dig and look for the weird shit. And honestly, Tubi's kind of taken that over. I think Tubi has a little bit of like, you have to be represented by a a distributor or production company to get in there, but they have weird shit and they have a lot of, like, they have like shallows and stuff, like uncut. So yeah, yeah, power to Tubi. Also, they're pretty good with their commercial uh, placement. They, yeah, it does feel like they put effort into uh, jumping in at the right time. Yeah, really. Okay, um, okay, yep. So check it. It's too. a thoughtful too. approach too. over yeah. there. Yeah. Well, okay, Chris, are you? Are we going to get a physical copy? Like, are we going to do Blu-ray with Nier or anything? Uh, yeah, it's supposed to. Uh, that was the original intention. I don't know too much um, what's happening there, but I think, yeah, I think we'll see that relatively all right if if that happens please let us know any talk of laser disc (laughs) (laughs) just checking out yeah he might have one (laughs) he's got the film chops i wouldn't be shot if you had a beta max or whatever is that the player or the tape oh yeah yeah do you have a beta player i wish i honestly wish those are that's the best quality better than vhs yeah yeah all right chris i love you man and um I have to ask, are you a Brian De Palma fan? Are you kidding me? He's my favorite. Okay, because I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but every time you come up on here, I always refer to you as like the modern Brian De Palma. So I just had to, his name didn't pop up. Well, I'll be really quick when I tell you, but Brian De Palma was, he, you know, when he made Scarface, everybody said, why? Like, why are you doing this like genre film? And he said, fuck you. Also, he said the way to make a genre movie is to lean into the tropes. On top of that, he does split screen a lot. So (laughs) that superficial connection. There's a lot of, I'm telling you, he is by far my number one, not even anyone close. Um, Probably go Phantom of the Paradise, my favorite. But yeah, I love, you know, he was inspired by the French New Wave in the 60s films, right? Like Greetings and Hi Mom. Uh, the be black baby segments. De Palma's fucking genius. He is cinema, and I loved how he had the total middle finger to everyone the whole fucking way. Um, he didn't give a fuck. You know, call him misogynist. Call him the, fuck off. You know, genius. <laughs> genius. I like Snake Eyes. <laughs> Snake Eyes is good. Even his bad movies are good. Like, he's he's the best. Honestly, he is cinema. You know, like well. Uh, it doesn't. It, it doesn't seem like you guys share the appreciation for Hitchcock, though. Yeah, I I, I mean, <laughs> do love Hitchcock. We watch a lot. I don't like Hitchcock's yeah. philosophy. I like his movies, though. I I do. Yeah. Um, it's just not what sits with me. You no, know? but wear a suit. You know. 
put those suits and shed his own mind. Said, <laughs> you know, go ahead, rock and roll. <laughs> All right. But well, no, next time we'll have you on to best. talk about. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about his filmography and sisters yes, in uh, particular. Sure. There you go. <laughs> we'll do it. Chris, this was a blast, man. Thanks so much. Chris, Likewise, love you, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.